my backpack on. God, I, I know. Matt, you, you, you understand that I, I, I sent my son to pay a price. And when I sent my son to the, to the cross, he paid the price. So Matt, I want you to run this race, and I want you to run it well. God, listen, this is just a designer backpack, and it looks really good. I like my stuff. I keep my stuff in here. God, see, I want you to just see, see me. I got my name tag in case I lose my bag. I got my water bottle because you need to stay hydrated because it's been hot outside, God. Like, like I need to talk to the weather about, I need to talk to God about the weather. And, and got to have my watch to keep on time. But I really don't want to put this down because I am comfortable. <sighs> just like I'm going into my first day of school, God. I just want to walk around with this stuff all day long. I didn't send my son so that you, would ha- to, so that you could, wouldn't want to carry this stuff around. I gave you my son so that you can take your bag off at the cross and you can walk away. But I don't want to, God, because that, look, you see, I don't even look good without this. I need this. It is itchy sometimes, and it does get really kind of heavy. And, and I know sometimes I'm just kind of walking through my daily life, and I feel like it just drags me down and slows me down, and I just feel like some days I just want to give it up, but I can't, God, and I don't want to. Actually, I really do want to, God, but it's really hard for me because I can't. I can't. Sometimes it feels like I can't get my backpack off. And God, it scares me when I can't get my backpack off. I don't, this stuff is, atta- is attached. I did not send my son so that you could have a relationship with me and not run the race of endurance well. Matt, I want you to run. I want you to run your spiritual race of endurance throughout however many breaths you have on this earth and I want you to do it as quickly and as swiftly as you can. And you can't do it with your backpack on. That's just an analogy in a story. But if we're really honest and we just get right into Hebrews chapter 12, can we just say that that's very real? Let's just be honest with everyone. Let's be honest with ourselves and be honest with God that we all have our baggage, don't we? If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're married, if you've, if you've been in a relationship like this and I'll never forget, Mary and I had, Mary had, we had our wedding, and, and we went to, went to our honeymoon, and we came back, and you really don't know how well you don't know someone until you live this close to them every day, all day. Mary found out a couple things about me, my, some of my baggage. She says so, but I've never heard myself snore, but she says that I did. Well, she's got her own baggage, too. You just let me tell you. For some reason, I walk in the kitchen, and before I can do anything, I'm going behind wherever she's been, and I'm closing the cabinets because she thinks it's her spiritual gift to leave them open. Now, I'm talking about very superficial baggage stuff here, okay? And that's not technically baggage. What I'm talking about is, is the sin that, create, that jumps in the backpack that weighs us down. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be. We're going to start in verses 1, verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to go to verse 13 in just a little bit. 
Um, but if you're, a, uh, if you're a discipleship group person, you've, you've spent plenty of time with Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We've memorized this one. I'm going to call on three random people and have them come. I'm not going to do that to you. But it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, we're surrounded. We have people, saints, that have went on before us that are literally cheering us on to run the race that God has for us. So we're, we're, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and, and, and it goes on to say that, that we should strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And we're to run the race of endurance that God has set before us. And we do this, I love this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the initiator and perfecter of our faith. See, it's important. It's important to keep our focus. And sometimes our focus is only on the negative baggage. So if you have, your, if you have a blue piece of paper, if you do not have one of these, um, raise your hand and we can send somebody out to get you one. Real quick, I want to make sure everybody has one. Okay. Uh, we're going to go through uh, some blanks, but I am, I'm very glad that you're here. If you're, if you're listening online, uh, my name is Matt. If you're here and going, wow, who's the crazy guy in shorts with no shoes on? Um, that's me. That's uh, Matt. Um, let me ask you two questions before we get into this. Just, just two questions. What all have you gone through this week that has hopped into your backpack? If we took our spiritual backpacks off of our backs this morning and we, and we undid it, what, I wonder what would come out. So you open just a little bit and you could reach in. And... I was scared this week. I was anxious. I got mad. I didn't trust God like I wanted to. See, we all have our stuff. Maybe you're going through a lot of pain. So, so what, in, what, in, what this week, uh, what have you all gone through this week? And number two, um, are you still carrying it? See, there's a, there's a, there's a thing in, in the Bible that Paul talks about. He says that we're to die to ourselves every day. Die to ourselves every day. That means every day, and I'm going to tell you something. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you're going to nod your head and agree with me. Sometimes it's not a day. Sometimes it's every, I don't know, what, 30 seconds that we need to go. And we need to lay stuff back down. Because we, we as much as you may like, dislike or like this word, we can, be, we, can be, we can be hoarders spiritually. And that's not always a good thing. So we can get stuff and be like, hmm, this is mine. My grandfather, when he passed away, my grandfather went through the Great Depression. Um, he saved everything. I mean everything. When, they, when him and my grandma passed away in uh, 2010, uh, they died six weeks within each other. We lost them both to cancer. And we have a family building that we call the woodshed. So in the, in the woodshed, we've remodeled since then. But we, you, <laughs> this is my family. Just okay. On one wall of the bathroom inside, it was dry storage like a big pantry. Okay, and there was a door, so it wasn't, it was, everything was canned goods, okay? So my grandpa kind of joked that you could be in the bathroom and shop at the same time, okay? But we, when we cleaned all the canned goods out, there was some, anybody remember Popeye spinach? They still make it, you, can have, you can't find it everywhere, but I love it. There were cans of Popeye spinach from 1989. I, if you're wondering, no, I did not try it. We tossed it. Now, 
I say that to say we found things that were totally out of date, that he'd been saving forever and never used. Spiritually, we get on our stuff and we, we carry around um, times that we've been hurt in the past. Yep, still have it. God, I'm not going to forgive that person yet. I'm going to hang on to that one because I may be able to use that one day. We hang on to all of our stuff. We have our backpacks. And we tote this sucker everywhere we go, don't we? Everywhere we go. Even, even in places where it's inconvenient. I'm being really serious here. Th- this backpack to have on right now is not, is not uncomfortable because I wear this backpack all the time. But it could be inconvenient when I'm like, you know, getting in my truck to drive home. You know, and you're like up against it, <laughs> driving like this. It's inconvenient if you need to get a shower. It's inconvenient if you need to go to the bathroom or whatever. It's, it's inconvenient in a lot of places. I, I personally wouldn't want this. I, I, don't, I don't play golf like really, really awesome anyway, but I don't need anything else messing with my golf swing. If you've ever played golf, you understand. I don't need this. Um, it, it, it hinders my range of motion. Now, forward, we can, yeah, sure, we can do that. But we, it hinders us. And our, our bags that we have on us hinder us spiritually. It also slows you down. Now I was gonna play. I was gonna play a song. Uh, I was gonna play a song. It's a. I'll may. I may post that today. Uh, just share that on Facebook. Um, but it's. It's a. If you've ever heard of the song Seagulls, anybody? No. Okay. Good. You're. Uh, if you like Star Wars, uh, they voice. Huh, now we get some people that know what I'm talking about. They voiceovered with like Yoda. <laughs> And Luke Skywalker. And there's a part in there where Yoda is on. It's on a part in the movie where Yoda is on Luke Skywalker's back. And he's training him to become a Jedi. Okay? And on the song it says, run, 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 jump. I can be your backpack while you jump. And Yoda is up here. Okay? And it, it, it's crazy because Yoda, Yoda doesn't let go. And he's, and he's on here. But why, do you do, why, do you, why does an athlete do weight or resistance training? I would often, I would, I would warm up. I would, I would throw, I would throw with a football. Then I would throw with a baseball because the baseball is lighter. You throw with a weighted ball. You, or you would, you would, uh, one of the drills that I absolutely hated in college is I would get in the pool about this deep and I would have a bat that was cut off and I would, I would launch with my, with my, with my foot and get ready to swing and I would go in the water and swing through the water. Now why? Because without, with, I'm not in the water, the bat goes faster. My hands become quicker and my bat speed goes up, which is good. But it's on our spiritual life, we don't do the resistance training. We just do the weight, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. And some of us, some of us spiritually are walking like this through life, and God says, no, I don't want you to walk like that, Matt. I created you to run. Run the race of endurance that God set before us. So look at the first blank on your, on your worship hand now. These are questions that I ask myself I'm asking you to ask yourself. These, these, these questions cannot be just answered right now. You may be able to get a couple answers. But I want you to pray about some of this stuff this week. Listen, how much baggage are you carrying? How many people have, have kids or grandkids in, in junior high or high school right now? Have you felt the weight of their backpacks? Like for real. And some of you are like, my kids have books at school? I don't ever see them at home. <laughs> If you put all the books, there, there, whenever I was at Wayne City teaching in the high school, there would be kids come in, and like, they would take, they would take their backpacks off, and it would hit the floor, and it's like, boom. And I go, what is in there? I'm thinking, you know, they got all kinds of crazy stuff they're carrying around, and it was books. 
All these books, and I can tell you right now, I have personally seen some smaller, petite-framed people walk down the hallway kind of like this. I had a volleyball player doing that. I said, please don't do that. I like your back intact. I'd like to keep your back intact. But that's funny if we, if we saw something or we, or we, we, we kind, of made, kind of made fun at something like a video or a cartoon about that. But when we, when we realize that how much baggage are we carrying, some of us have been carrying baggage for years and we've never done anything with it. Some of us have brought, have, you've been hurt in a relationship, you've lost a loved one with different uh, issues around that. You have a lot of things that are getting in your way spiritually. And quite frankly, spiritually, you can run until you die. I know, some of you are like, I'm too old to run. Nope, nope, no, 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 no. Spiritually, you're designed to run. Michael Phelps, from the waist down, is six foot one. That he, he has like he has almost almost my length legs from his waist down. He's a, he's a six foot one person. From his waist up, he has the upper body of a six foot eight person. Duh, he's good at swimming. He has wings. <laughs> okay, he doesn't. I've I watched Michael Phelps win all those gold medals in the Olympics. I love watching the Olympics. I love watching him. We were up there going go 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 go, and not one time did I see him have a backpack on when he was swimming. Not once. Not once. Why? Anybody ever seen the movie Gone in 60 Seconds? How about this? You know what Eleanor, you know what Eleanor is? The 67 GT500? Is that right? Something. It's awesome. At the very end of the movie, Nicolas Cage is presented with a car that is Eleanor, but it needs completely redone. And the guy, on the, the guy in the shop says something. He goes, he goes, man, when we get this all done like a streamlined butterfly. A streamlined butterfly. That's pretty quick. There's not a lot of resistance. Okay, Michael Johnson was a famous sprinter in the Olympics, ran the 200-meter dash in 19.9 seconds. Yikes. Some of us can't drive that far in 19.9 seconds. And he ran it. Not one time did I see him run in the, in the Olympic finals in the 200 meter dash. Not one time did I see him run in a race for a medal with a backpack on. But we run everyday life with bags hanging off of all of us. We've been carrying around for a long time. Why is it important? Why does it matter if I carry baggage, Matt? Look at the, look at the next two blanks in your, in your handout. Are, you, are we running or are we stumbling for God's kingdom? Now, here's the difference. Running and stumbling. I'm sure some of us have had our, had our moments of not coordinated events when we've tripped. Uh, maybe you've got up to use the bathroom or get a drink at night and your pinky toe has found the very corner edge of your bed. You know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You get up and you just smoke your toe on that metal frame. And your stomach instantly begins to hurt. And you may think some very creative things. Or you may say them. <laughs> we, and we stumble, through, we stumble through the dark. Listen, these, these med- they go together. Okay, God created us to run, but we stumble. God created us to live in the light, but most of the time we want to go back to our old happy, happy self. And we want, to, we want to get in the dark. And when we're in the dark, we stumble. God says, no, I created this. I want you to be in the light. I want to be in the light as you were in the light. DC Talk, anybody? Yeah. Are we running or stumbling? 
Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not, I'm not the world's fastest runner, but we could go out and I could, I could jog a mile with some of you, and most of you would probably beat me. But I can tell you right now, I don't want to do it with these shorts on. I want shoes on, and I don't want this backpack on. And I don't want it to be 90 outside. <laughs> See, we talk about running and stumbling, but both of these things go forward. Okay, you're, you're going forward when you stumble. You're running. You're going You're going forward. We're running towards God, but the problem is some of us are moonwalking away. I don't want to get rug burn. I actually can moonwalk a little bit, but I don't want to do it on this because I don't want rug burn on the bottom of my feet. I can't imagine that being good. Okay, but you're either going towards Christ or you're going away from Christ. Jesus said there is, there is nothing else. You're for me or you're against me. That's all. That's it. Are we going forward? Now, and if we're going forward... Are we running at our capacity? Some of us are okay with jogging spiritually. Look at the famous verse. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. If you're an underliner, therefore, that means there's a change in what the writer is talking about. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. The sin that so easily trips us up, I think slows us down the most, is because it's so constant and it's so with us right now and it's so comfortable and we've been doing it for so long that we don't even think it's there anymore. We just do it self, just, just like crazy. It's, it's, just, we just, it's something that we do. So we're surrounded, look at this, we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. There are people that have went on before us that are in heaven. Many of our family members are, are, are enjoying the eternity of heaven and the happiness of heaven right now. And there is no time and there's no sickness or cancer or glasses or, or weight loss programs or anything like that. And they're, they're cheering us on like it's in a coliseum when, when, they, when they have the Olympic torch. And they run 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 and they get to the Olympic stadium. You've seen this? They run around and they run up the stairs and the whole crowd is doing nothing but chanting and let's go, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets it and he gets it all the way up and he lights it and and everybody cheers. There are people that are cheering us on and I know what it's like to be in our own little lane. We're We're running this race. We're running this race and we get tired. God, I cannot do this anymore. I can't. I can't. It hurts me too much to do what you want me to do. It hurts me too much. It causes this much pain. It's, it's causing my family pain. It's causing all kinds of stuff, God. I just do not. I cannot go on anymore doing this. Have you been there? No, I'm not. I can't theologically break all of this down and give you exactly what how this all works, okay? But, but I, like, I like to imagine this. You're tired. You don't feel like you can go on. You don't feel like anybody likes you. You have all these issues. Nothing goes right. You got this fixed and this broke. You got that fixed and this broke. Like, God, will you just... Have you ever asked God for a timeout? Hey, Can I have a break for like a week? 
can, I, can, can you just handle the rest of my day? And we're running and, and, and we, want, we want to quit. And there are people. There are people that have gone on before us. They're going, you can't quit. You have to go. Every good boxing movie has that guy in their corner. Come on, Rock. You can do it. Get up. Do it again. But we're satisfied. We're satisfied with just, we're just staying here. And here's the thing. We get tired of going. We get tired of running this race. Okay? This great crowd of witnesses is, 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 is cheering us on. But there, there, there's advice here. Don't go on like you normally have. Man, it's a lot better to run like this. Wow. Wow. I can play golf. Wow. Yeah. Whew. Man. See, do you know what that feels like? Yes. But we get caught up with our baggage on. We get caught up with it. And he says, hey, strip off every weight that slows us down. How do we find, Matt, every weight that slows us down? How in the world do we make that list? It's easy. It's really, really easy. Ready? You ask God prayerfully to convict you in areas that he wants to fix in your life. And here's the shocker. Ready? He tells you. Literally. And some of them, most of them, you already know. God, what do I need to take out of my backpack? This is a very difficult thing to do. But if you strip off every weight that slows us down, especially that sin that so easily trips us up, look, run with endurance. The following Christ is not a sprint. It's not a sprint. If it was a sprint, you would get saved, run fast, be done. That's a good thing because when we're done being a follower of Christ on this earth, we get to go to heaven. So none of us would be here. None of us would be here unless you don't have a relationship with God. We're run we're, to run the race with endurance. You know, going back to this, this great cloud of witnesses, this is what we don't see also. We're, sin, we're standing here like this, and we're just, we're just done. And whether we see them or not, there are people that are supporting us all around us. They love us very much. They pray for us. They encourage us. But sometimes we don't want to listen. I don't want to go down this road anymore. I'm tired of doing what God wants me to do because it is the most difficult thing I can ever do in my life. It is the most difficult thing. I get, asked, I, I get told probably twice a week, I could never do your job as a pastor. Not, they're not talking about the job that I do as a pastor, just the job as a, a pastor. And I said, well, first, first deal is, if you're not called to be a pastor, don't be one. But on the other hand, I respond, it is the most difficult job I've ever done in my life. But let me tell you about the benefits. I've talked with people where their lives and their marriages are absolutely below the sewer. And I have helped them, and I, because God helped me, helped me help them. God worked, and I've seen, I have seen from the utter pits of nothingness to a thriving marriage because of God. Did you know that that helps me get through my day? 
I have seen I have seen people right here in this room that five years ago you were not the same people as you are today. And I get to see you every week and I see what God is doing in your life. If we had a, just this great big long track with all of our individual lanes, in this room alone, I personally know there's a lot of backpacks laying on that track. Because we want to run. We want to run. Listen, I don't care if you're a track athlete, if you're an athlete, if you can spell athlete. I don't care. Can you imagine what it would look like to have spiritual Olympians that ran for God's kingdom? Can you understand the possibilities that God could use with those people? But he says, run. Run with endurance. This is, this, is, this, is, this, is what, this is what we think. Anybody ever play a Mario Kart? Some of you adults are like, yeah, I did when my kids went to sleep, but I don't want to admit it. Yes, you did. Okay, you remember in the original Mario Kart, you could select what course you wanted to race on? Yeah, some of you are like, ah, oh, Mario Kart. You could select the course. Spiritually, you don't get to pick the course. Your job is to run. I don't like that. Because I like racing on the flower cup. Only the people that are laughing have played Mario Kart. Okay, that's, that's where I want, I want to do this, God. I want to play this sport and get paid for it for the rest of my life. That's not what I have for you. I don't get to choose. You do not have a controller in your hands. The controller is owned by the controller. It's his game plan. We are just called to run. And sometimes we don't like that because it takes the power out of our hands. Look at verse 2. How do we do this? So we run the race that God has set before us. You do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You have an answer, or you have a question, that's probably the answer. Well, am I supposed to do this? If you keep your eyes on Jesus, that means you're focused on him. That means you're praying, you're, you're having a relationship with him. And if you're doing that, he will answer you. Huh. Look... I love, how it call, I love how this translation calls it the champion. Hmm. We keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. You do not have salvation through Jesus Christ by anything that you have ever done. You have it only by the grace and the love and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. When we got saved, we spiritually died. And God raised us, set us back in right standing by his son's power, by his, by his sacrifice. So Jesus initiates and he perfects and he's going to be forever. Jesus has to be your source. Remember when Gatorade got really popular? I remember Gatorade getting really, really popular right after a certain someone was seen on a commercial drinking said product. Some of you younger people, if you don't know, will have a YouTube party and I can show you how good he was because he was and is the best ever, in my opinion, during my lifetime at least. But Gatorade became really, really popular after a commercial with Michael Jordan. Really popular. Why? <laughs> Duh. 
drink Gatorade, become six foot six, and you play for the Bulls. And then there's the situation I talked about a couple weeks ago with the Reebok pumps that I never got. Not bitter at all. (laughs) I've let that baggage go, okay? But why did you want the Reebok pumps? Listen, from an athletic, from a coach's standpoint, I look back at those shoes now, and they are so heavy. You play basketball. All right. (laughs) If you don't play basketball, you don't want to do that. See, we, we, get, we get caught up in, in all these things, or we want, we want this. What if our entire focus was not about our materialistic stuff, but it was totally on Jesus, who initiated and perfected our faith? You don't breathe right now without his favor. You don't, you don't blink, you don't see, you don't drive, you don't, you don't drink coffee. Listen, Hebrews. It's biblical. You don't get to enjoy the flavor. Some of you drink a little bit of coffee with your creamer, and that's okay. okay. But we don't get to enjoy the fun things like go swimming and jump off a diving board or do a, take a slip and slide ride or, or ride a bike in the country in the, in the afternoon and the evening and see the sunset. Did you see the sky last night at about 9.30? Walked outside. It's Emma's birthday today. I walked out and said, hey, I want to show you something. I said, it's not technically a present that I got you, but it's a present that God gave us, and I want to share it with you because tomorrow's your birthday. So we walk outside, and we don't have, this, we don't have the city lights of Summersville around our new home. And I, we, stepped out, we stepped out the back door, and I said, watch. I shut the lights off to the living room, and I, we walked outside under the porch, and I said, look up. She goes, wow. Wow. And I asked, I said, I said, what is that? She goes, that's, that's, that's the Big Dipper, Dad. I said, cool. What's that? She goes, duh, the moon. <laughs> so I said, okay. Isn't this beautiful? God, God delights to give us pleasure. He created the world's, he created the world's largest playground in the world for his creation. That's us. We are to have joy because of God, what God has done. But look, because of the joy awaiting him, because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus saw, watch, Jesus already saw. He was getting ready to go to the cross. He already saw Easter. Well, he's Jesus. Yes, I get it. He's Jesus and he can see that. But watch, he knew that he had to walk down the hard road. And if he walked down this road instead of run, it wasn't going to get accomplished. Sometimes we, we're like, I mean, I have to go through that. Yes, yes, you have to go through that because that is God's plan. But let me tell you something. The Bible is not wrong. The Bible cannot be wrong. And it says that his joy will come in the morning. Though the sorrow will last through the night, his joy comes in the morning. And sometimes that's on the third lap. Sometimes it's on the hundredth lap. Sometimes it's in the first hundred meters. Sometimes it's, it's quick. Sometimes it's long. But you cannot deny that God's joy is there. He delights. Because of the joy waiting, listen, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Jesus is headed to the cross, and he knows every single person that spit on him, punched him, kicked him, put a crown of thorns on him, hit him every, every, every single time they hit those nails. He knew exactly who it was. 
And he endured it. He ran that race. Huh. He ran that race. We're wasting our time if Jesus didn't run that race. He disregarded the shame. Jesus disregarded the shame of the cross because he knew that what the world meant and what Satan meant for the absolute destruction of the church and Jesus and Christianity, that God was going to work for the good. And as a result, it created an opportunity for us to have salvation. And now, yeah, he is. He's the champion. He's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne at his right hand. And you know what he does? He know he's still not running. He's still not running because in my, in my daily reading this, this week, I was reading and, and I got into a different book and I was, just, I was just really curious about what it said and I ran across this, that Jesus is always interceding for us to the Father. I know that Matt's currently stopped on the track. I know. I know. The Holy Spirit is, 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 doing, is doing his thing, but Matt is really not listening right now. And I paid for that sin, God. Do you get that? The fact that, we, the fact that we don't just absolutely walk through Kroger Produce. Excuse me. Um, let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. Yeah. Yeah, the apples look great. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Look at verse 3. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Think about how much Jesus endured because of us. As a result of God choosing to not remember your sin once you've repented, shouldn't that be a little bit of gasoline for our tank? God chooses to not remember your sin if you've repented of it. Now, that's a big deal in my life. I don't know about your life, but it's a big deal in my life. Well, you're a pastor. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're a pastor's kid. It doesn't matter. You're the grandson of a pastor. You're third generation pastor. Woo! Yeah. You have any idea what it's like to live in a pastor's house growing up? Psycho. You know why? There's people like you. I'm just kidding. We're all, we're, all, we're all messed up. Think of the hostility he endured from sinful people. Every single person that spit on him. This is, we're talking three or four days after people were laying their coats down. And Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they're like, Hosanna, Hosanna. Four days later, they're driving spikes through his hands yelling, crucify him. And he endured it, disregarding the shame of, these, of the people. And when he was on the cross, he literally could make eye contact with some of these people that stayed at the cross to watch him die. And he made eye contact with them. And then he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. What? He should have said, Father, get me off here. Annihilate everything. Start over. But he didn't. Look. Then you won't become weary and give up. Some of us hang around people. And the only thing those people do, they're waiting to do this. Here, man. We work with these people, don't we? If you're self-employed, that's a problem. But you put yourself... There are people that I don't hang around with. Do you know why I don't hang around with them? Because I don't need to be doing the stuff that they're doing that I used to do. Deal? There are people that we need to cut out of our lives. Well, that's mean. Listen, 
If you have somebody, this is, this is biblical, if you don't have somebody that is pushing you towards God, the chances of them doing anything else other than pushing you away from God is zero. You're for or against. There is no in-between. You cannot pull a Bugs Bunny and say this way. It doesn't work. Some of you need to watch more Bugs Bunny because you didn't get that. So, after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. No, we have not. Has anybody have to give up their life for sin? No? Why? Because, because Jesus already handled that. But if it came down to it, we, man, we want to say, say this, the really, the really proud American thing. Would you, would you die for your faith? Yes. When's Jesus coming back? I don't know, but we're a week closer than we were last Sunday. It's, gonna, it's not going to get better. When you, when you watch the TV and you watch the news... I don't know why you do that. But anyway, you, 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 watch, you watch the news and you say, well, Matt, this, this world is just going to the devil's kitchen in a, in, a, in, a, in a lunch bag. Yeah. Why does that surprise you? Like, for real. We had all, the, we had all, these, all these shootings. And, and, we, and we hear responses, well, well, people are just evil. Duh. They haven't ever not been evil after Adam and Eve. Listen, we've not yet given our lives. Look at verse 5. And have, you, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's dis- discipline, and you won't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and when he punishes each one, uh, he accepts as his child. He punishes each one. Look, look, it's an equal opportunity. God is an equal opportunity discipliner. If you grew up in my household, I have a sister, okay, if you don't know, Jennifer's my sister, and we grew up in a household where um, it would play out like this. Ready? Some of you are going to laugh because you grew up in the same house that I did. Mom and dad come home, something is not done. Something did something, something happened, one of us did something. When mom and dad ask both of us what happened, I don't know and I don't know. Well, who did it? She did. He did. Okay, my dad's, my dad's philosophy is very simple. I'm punishing you both to make sure I get the guilty party. None of you are going to get out. If you're, a, if you're a Christian person, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. God is going to discipline you. He's going to convict you in areas that are not pleasing to him. Do you know why? This is crazy. You know, do you know why God disciplines us? Because we need it. I've read my Bible for 82 years every single day. Thank you. Okay. You're not prideful about that at all, are you? We need it. We need it. Maybe, maybe you, you excel at, at, at your job or you, you excel at, at uh, investments of money. And listen, I don't, know, I don't know anybody that wouldn't take better advice or more return on an investment that they wouldn't listen to that. I don't, I don't know anybody that, that does like a lot of that that, w- that wouldn't listen. I don't know anybody. Albert Pujols had a hitting coach. Kurt Warner had a quarterback coach. We, we, we have all these people that mentor us in our jobs and teach us how to run machines at Continental Tire so that you, you know, don't look like this or take your hand, whatever. They do that so you'll learn. Listen, there's no difference. Why do you discipline your kids? So they'll learn, right? 
you've you've no doubt, if you've had kids in your house, don't touch the stove, it's hot. Yesterday, I grilled hamburgers with my dad. You know what I said? Girls, both these grills are hot. Don't touch them. Mine are 11 today and 8. I would think that I wouldn't have to make this proclamation every time. But I I, want to do it so they don't get hurt. Okay. Okay. So God does this so that we learn. And, and sometimes when God disciplines us, when God holds us accountable, we say this. You're mean, God. You're mean. Meanie. I didn't deserve that. And you know deep down you absolutely did. I, did you know that I don't think I ever uh, got a spanking that I did not deserve? I probably got, a, I probably got out of several that I much, much deserved. But I probably deserved every single one that I got. And it wasn't to be mean. It wasn't to hurt me. It was to correct me. That's what, that's what Scripture says, that the Bible is. In 1 Timothy, it's useful to, or 2 Timothy, it's, use, it's useful to teach us and correct us when we're wrong. Look at verse 7. As you endure this divine discipline. Notice it doesn't say if. It doesn't say, if you endure this divine discipline. It says, as you, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Question. Would you rather be disciplined by God or not disciplined by God because he doesn't know you? I don't know anybody in their right spiritual mind that would trade any amount of money to go five seconds without the saving grace of Jesus Christ in their life. It's not worth gambling eternity. It's not. So, so what would you choose? Would you choose that God, God teaches you or that you don't, you don't get this discipline because he doesn't know you, because you're not a Christian? Listen, who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? Well, I did. I saw that kid at Kroger the other day throwing stuff off the shelves and screaming and kicking. I saw a kid come out of the, It wasn't anybody here. I was playing softball in Salem, and I watched a kid that did not want to leave the pool. I promise I promise. It was like blood curdling. I mean, it's very difficult. Like, we're, you know, I'm playing like first base and all of a sudden you hear this kid go, ah! I'm going, I mean, I think like, the, you know, the, something bad is going on. Nope, he just didn't want to leave the pool. And I watched his mom and she went over there and she got him and she went like this. This is, this is why God made parents bigger than children. And she grabbed onto him and he did not want to go, but it didn't matter. And they went, screaming the whole way. No reaction from mom, no giving him his way. She took him to the vehicle, no more screaming. Up to her, I mean, it's up to her. She's, she's a parent to have a discipline, but she didn't give in. God doesn't give in to you. You can kick and scream all you want. Guess what? God has more patience than you have ever thought of. Because some of us have kicked and screamed for years, and we go, I am not doing that. Literally, God's like, okay, I'll wait. Or, okay, you're going to miss out on this blessing because I'm going to ask somebody else to do it. I don't want to, we don't, nobody in here wants to sit down and see that pop up on a screen, okay? Eight, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his child, or his children at all. So what's your choice? You want to be, you want, what do you, what do you want? It's a spiritual check, if God convicts you and he disciplines you, and by the way, this word discipline 
we take a whole new context in 2019, it doesn't mean what we're talking about. It means correcting, okay, convicting, showing us the right path. Illegitimate, and we're not really his children at all. It's a spiritual check. If God convicts you, there's a really, really good, it's, it's a good thing inside you that, that you want to understand what God is doing, but you have a conviction of, from the Holy Spirit because you were bought at a price. It's a good spiritual check. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been convicting you this week about some stuff. Maybe you have baggage. Knock, knock, who's there? Everybody here has baggage. You're just not wearing it like me. And don't look at my baggage. You have no idea what I've been through to get this baggage. It's important to me. It's like a trophy. Don't we treat it like that? If you come to my house and you see some of the deer that I had on, on there, sometimes during, sometimes we want to go, man, just hang that up there. That's a spiritual trophy. I've been mad at so-and-so for five years. Some people think that's a trophy. Oh, cool. In my opinion, with that person, you've missed five years of actually seeking God and seeing what he could do with that instead of having a broken relationship that you mend one. Look at verse 9. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us. Aha, not at the time, didn't we? The Bible says being disciplined is not fun during the time. But it's after effects. Teach us. Has anybody ever seen a child that that has been corrected? And corrected and corrected. And as a result, this is wild. This is crazy. As a result of being corrected at home, when they go to school, they don't get in trouble. Wow. Did you know that's possible? Listen, I taught school. I've, been, I've, I've taught everything from kindergarten to high school and PE and other different things. I can tell you there are teachers in this room. Within 35 seconds to a minute of given a specific task. You can absolutely understand a little bit about home life and how these kids act. Oh, so-and-so doesn't want to follow instructions. Well, so-and-so hasn't been asked to do anything at home. I went to college. A roommate of mine said, hey, are you going to do laundry? I said, yeah. He goes, cool. Can you show me how? I went, what? We would, we would do something, and I, I, say, I said, hey, man. I said, I did it last week. I said, I can do it again, but I'm gonna do, I gotta go to class. Would you mind cleaning the bathroom? He goes, Well, what stuff do you use? Finally, I had enough. I, I dropped my baseball bag and I looked at him. I said, Did you have to do anything in your house? He goes, Well, I got my shower for myself. I said, Well, you never took out the trash? No. You never swept the, you never run the vacuum? No. You never, you never washed and hand mopped the floor? No. You never cleaned the bathroom? No. You ever used Windex on a mirror? No. Did you ever mow your grass? No. Then I thought it was weird because I like to cut grass. And I said, dude, what's your, what's your deal? He goes, I just, I just grew up didn't have to do anything. As a result of that, he had problems in society, okay? Because he thought he was owed everything. And I'm very good friends with him. And we, we got over our, he couldn't clean the bathroom. I taught him. <laughs> I said, hey, man, come here. Let me, let me show you something. And, it, like, it's really wild because we got the, we got the really good toilet bowl scrubber. And it became, I, I, actually, I actually got him to think it was like some kind of game. Like I love cleaning the bathrooms here at church because we have the wand with the, with the replaceable uh, cleaners. But man, he's like, wow, this is cool. I'm like, yeah, dude, you have no idea what I can teach you. And I said, if you use newspaper on the mirror with the Windex, it really shiny. He goes, for real? I go, yeah, let's try. You go first. And he goes, well, the, the mirror's clean. I said, good job, bud. 
can, I, would, I would love to see his mom's face when he came home for Christmas break and ran the vacuum on the floor. It would, I would have no idea. Listen, we, we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us. Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? God's our dad forever. If you're a follower of Christ, he's your dad forever. For our earthly fathers disciplined for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. There's a lot of truth to that statement because how you, how you parent and treat your kids often reflects this way or this way very, very little on how you were raised if it, was, if it was a good setting. If it was different, we see that scale go over to the other side because you don't have to, you don't have to repeat history. You don't. I'm sorry for things that, that have happened to you. You're not, you're, not, you're not 100% guilty of everything that's happened to you, but you are 100% uh, responsible for how you react to those situations. You don't ha- history does not have to repeat itself. You can better it. We do that by showing our kids that we are allowed to be, we're allowed to let God discipline us. If you remember this story, remember this sermon, uh, Mike left us in suspense when he was still alive and he said, he said, next Sunday you'll probably want to come back to church and listen how I got arrested. I'm like, he got What? What? What in the world? How? My, no way. What did he get arrested for? Being too nice? I don't know. But did he drive too fast? We get back the next Sunday and everybody's like listening like this. And he goes, the other day I was at Kroger's and I was getting gas. And this lady just cut right in front of me at the gas pump. And I go, holy cow, did, what, did you like hit her car? And he goes, no. I got mad. And I got arrested by the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm very thankful that God does, does that for me because it keeps me in check. So you turn an age of 23, 24, 25, or 18, you get out of the house, you'll have that conversation, I promise, when you go back to your mom and dad and say, I'm really thankful that you corrected me. I'm thankful that you actually did know what you were talking about, although I didn't think you did. God's discipline is always good for us, always, so that we might share in his holiness. Look at verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Told you. Anybody, listen, my, my grandmother, my grandmother will not mess with her. I saw yesterday. Nope, not going to happen. 79 years old, she weeds the garden by herself, she weed eats, she mows everything by herself. I'm not going to mess with her. She figured out that I got to the age, anybody, anybody have really, really not fond memories of a fly swatter? Anyone? Yeah, grandma is a little, little lady. She's like this tall. She might be this tall. but She's cute. <laughs> and she realized that if I had jeans on, the plastic end wouldn't work. Oh, but there's another end. Did you know that? It's metal. Now, before you think that my grandma called DCFS on my 79-year-old grandma, I deserved it, and I had jeans on. But I can tell you right now that she got my... Is it painful? I don't know. You tell me. Did you, I mean, did you tell your parents, hey, dad, I haven't gotten a spanking in a couple days. Do you mind? <laughs> no. No. It, yes, it's painful. And it's, and it's not enjoyable while it's happening. But look, afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. The Bible also says to train up a child in the way that will go. And they will never, they will never go away from that. That's why if you have kids that are 18 to 25 and they're running away from you, 
and they're running away from God. He said, I've done everything that I can. Don't quit praying for them because I was that kid. I was trained up fine. I was raised up fine. You know what happened? I tired of enjoying being disciplined and I just went and did everything and anything I wanted to do. Guess where that led? To the pigs. Go verse 12. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Question, are you ready to run? Matt, I've had both my knees replaced. Not your spiritual ones. Your spiritual body needs to run. What about putting the baggage down? What about actually saying, you know what, God, today? Today I'm going to run. And I'm going to give you everything that I have. And I'm going to stay in my lane. And I'm going to stay where I'm pointed at you. And I'm not going to have anything on my shoulders or my hands. I'm going to run. And I'm going to run fast. I'm going to run exactly what you want me to do, where you want me to go. Are you exercising? See, if this is, if this is a representation of where the cross is, there should be mountains of bags laid at it. But the problem is that number of bags goes up and down because we go over here and go, just for a second, thank you. Slowing you down. It's slowing you down. It slows me down and it slows you down. Look at the very last line in your, in your worship handout. We must keep running for the finish line. We can't quit. Some of us are going to enter heaven and be off of this earth before others in this room right now. Right now. Do you know when you get to quit? When that happens. Not a second before. Not a second we must keep running for the finish line. If you run out of ground ball to first base, you do not run to first base and stop on the bag. You run all the way through it. If you're running any race whatsoever from a starting point here to the finish line, you don't run up to the finish line and stop. You run through. That's why we should accelerate into heaven. And can you imagine? One day, all of this junk, all of your job, all the stuff that you've been talking with about that person that doesn't get along with you, all of this stuff is going to be gone. What a day that will be, right? We have a race to run. Some of us need to look at God this morning and say, you are bigger than that stuff. I've held on to that a long time. God, will you just help me keep walking this way? Some of us need to do that. Maybe this week we, we, we ask God, God, would you convict us? If you're in connect group this week, God, <laughs> my attitude is not real great. I didn't have anybody in my connect group that passed that test. You didn't either. Everybody has had an attitude of something sometime. God, change my attitude. Change my outlook. God, if you change my course, my job is to run. Put your head down and run. Let's pray. God, it's so difficult for us to do this. We just want to go over and grab our bags, God, and and hold on to them. God, would you help? Would you speak to us? 
God, through, through the song, through a word, through a conversation with someone here this morning, God, would you just begin to speak to us and convict us of things that we have in our bags or that we're holding the bags, God, that, that we could just come and bring it to the cross and lay it down. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus because we can be free. We thank you for Jesus because, of your, because it shows the love that you have for us. God, help us run. Help us run. Help us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.